I want to win a championship. I want to win a Super Bowl. You know, I want to be a top caliber player in this league. Uh, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to be the guy, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, that's always been me since I was a little kid. You know, I just want to be the best version of me possible. What does it take to get there? Uh, everything I've been doing plus more. We understand that there's the business side and then there's the personal side and, and the respect that I have for him um, as both, as a, as a person and as a player. I think everybody here has that for him, all his teammates and coaches. And um, we wish him nothing but the best. When the game's going on, we're going to do everything we can to stop him. Uh, when the game's over, we're going to, you know, um, be friends and, and, and have good stories, you know. So um, that's the part of life in the NFL for all of us, but it is a relationship business. And um, I think it's important that, you know, everyone understands that, um, you know, on our end, we, we care about him as a person and we, we know that uh, he's going to compete his tail off all the time to, to do well at quarterback. Hub Arkish, 670 The Scores, senior football expert. Well, good evening, Chicago, and thank you so much for being with me tonight on this beautiful summer evening in the greatest sports city in the world. I am Hub Arkish, going to be with you until 9 o'clock this evening. It's been a little while since I've gotten to sit in the driver's seat here, so uh, bear with me as I get reacquainted. I'm sure we'll do fine because Studs is here, Adam Studzinski, my producer, and uh, Studs, absolutely one of the best in the business, has done a great job of lining up a really fun show for you tonight. We've got special guests to come. Uh, We're going to take your phone calls all night long. I think you guys know when I'm hosting here, that's my favorite thing to do is talk to all of you. And even though it is a hot summer evening in Chicago, it's football season, guys. The White Sox are exciting. We're looking forward to not only the rest of this season, but October. If you want to talk some Sox baseball, you're free to dial me up at 312-644-6767. We can get into the new-look Chicago Bulls, the Blackhawks. We can talk Cubs if we must, but it's a little painful for me right now. However, all of that said, we have built a three-hour NFL preseason show for you. The Bears have got preseason game number two, exhibition game number two, tomorrow kicking off at noon. There are storylines galore. Mitch Trubisky comes home. Plenty to talk about with the Bears and where they're at right now. I'm sure that you guys have thoughts on the pitched battle at the quarterback position, even if the outcome has already been determined. There are several other spots on the roster where we're still not at all sure who the starters are going to be, specifically left tackle, maybe even both tackle positions. That empty cornerback spot that Kyle Fuller left vacant has got a great battle going on. There's a front runner in the clubhouse right now. We'll talk about that. Plenty of backup spots available all over the roster. Where is this Bears team at? Where is the NFL at? We're going to get into a little bit of Packers and Lions and Vikings as well. We can go around the league. Again, the phone number, 312-644-6767. We've lined up several of my favorite Bears beat guys to join us. Pat Finley will be here at 620. Uh, I believe, I know Adam Hoke stopping by. I think that was 640. So this first hour, we'll get some outside opinions as well as mine. And then again, taking your 
of phone calls, uh, as many as we can get in for the next three hours. 312-644-6767. Join me on the guest hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. I should say it is the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Also, if you want to text, you dial up 312-644-6767. And the text zone is brought to you by Rose and Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. We are in the SCORE broadcast studios coming to you live. And those are the Hyundai studios presented by your local Hyundai dealers. So we're going to try and take care of all of our great sponsors this evening as well. Studs, let's get it going here, guys. Let me me kind of set the table if I can because it's been a huge news week, obviously, up at Hallis Hall. I, I was there for every minute of it, had all the visits with Matt Nagy. We also got to talk to the rest of the coaching staff yesterday. Uh, Chris Tabor, special teams coordinator, new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, as well as all the position coaches stopped by the media room yesterday. Uh, We also had interesting visits yesterday with some of the young guns on that defense. Uh, Roquan Smith stepped into the media room. He was joined by Eddie Jackson. Bilal Nichols came by. As a matter of fact, top of the show, you heard Bilal Nichols talking about his goals for this season. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to be an All-Pro. He believes all that is achievable with the guys that he's got on his side. Uh, Roquan, uh, Bojack, they, they, of course, said nothing to dispute that. That's where the defense feels that they're at. The offense is where most of the eyes have been. And yesterday out at Hallis Hall, we got our first look at the Bears' newest offensive tackle, 39-year-old Jason Peters had his first practice. And, you know, guys, when you see him tomorrow, whether you're out at Soldier Field or you're watching on television, don't be concerned about what you see. Jason Peters is going to the Hall of Fame. He may even be a first ballot guy. I'm not going to say that that's for sure. Uh, He's kind of on the cusp of that type of uh, honor and designation, but there's no question he's going to be a Hall of Famer. 39 years old, 18 years in the league, has been on the street since March. What is left in the tank? Well, what you're going to see tomorrow is a guy who, even at the height of his all-pro prowess, four times, two-time first team, two-time second team, his nine pro ball seasons, he's always been kind of a bad body guy. Uh, you know, he, he, he is not going to be the look that you're expecting, but he ain't fat and sloppy either. He's just big, thick and square, uh, does not have the huge arms that you see on some of these guys these days, and usually when they don't, you see the huge thighs and rear end that they use to anchor and push. He doesn't necessarily have that either. He's just thick all the way from top to bottom, and don't let that fool you. He is one of the most, even at 39, he is one of the most athletic offensive linemen in the NFL. Now, I'm not making any predictions on this experiment. Uh, This is a guy who's played 16 games just once in the last four seasons, but it came just in the nick of time, obviously, because part of the big news out of Hallis Hall this week was after three weeks of uncertainty and hoping that he was close to making his debut, it was announced that Tevin Jenkins Wooden, in fact, did have back surgery. Um, I want to say it was Tuesday. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday. I forget which day, but the morning we were told he was slated for the surgery that afternoon. So one thing you know right off the bat, and you're listening to a guy who's a veteran of three back surgeries, 
it didn't just get scheduled Monday morning or Tuesday morning. It takes a little while with some of this stuff. Uh, you have some of the best neurosurgeons, some of the best spinal surgeons in the world uh, right here in Chicago. As a matter of fact, I don't want to hope I'm not violating anybody's HIPAA rights, but Peyton Manning, when he needed his, his cervical spine, his neck surgery, he came to Chicago, uh, went to Rush University. And as a matter of fact, his surgeon is the same guy who's done a couple of mine. Uh, so I, I know a little bit uh, about the quality of the care that you get here. And Jenkins had his operation. We are told uh, that it went very well. Uh, the bears were not clear, and I don't know if they really can be clear with exactly, you know, what was done. It's something that I could expound on you for a little bit if I knew, uh, but but we don't know exactly what was required. I, I suspect, though, because of the time that was spent trying to avoid the surgery, um, that it was more of a cleanup type situation, uh, probably more dealing uh, with some, uh, some, some scar tissue and, and some cartilage pressing on nerves uh, and maybe some bulging discs as opposed to herniations. Again, I'm just speculating here based on the way it was treated. But what that all suggests is a real possibility uh, that it could be a one-time occurrence. There's no reason to assume that he can't still have an outstanding career in the NFL. But now we have to watch the rehab and see what happens. If it was uh, the type of procedure that I'm speculating it was, uh, then a 10 to 12 week rehab to getting or preparation to get back on the field is not unreasonable. And that's why they made the decision to do it when they did with three weeks left in the preseason. I think the target is, is, is mid season that bye week, hoping to get him back for some part, if not the whole second half of the season. And that would be the plan right now. The other issue, though, is that your starting right tackle, Jermaine Effetti, has not participated in a second of training camp as he lingers on the pup list with a hip flexor situation. Uh, you've got Elijah Wilkinson has been listed as the number one left tackle. He's a wonderful young man. He may be a quality backup on the right side and at guard, but if he's your starting left tackle for the season, you probably have some issues. That's why the Bears brought in Jason Peters. They, they're not going to say that, but that's what I'm saying. And we now find out that fifth-round draft choice Larry Borum, who we expected when he was drafted, was strictly a right tackle and maybe a guard, is getting reps at left tackle as well. And when you see the way this young man has changed his body uh, do yourself a favor if you're a serious fan go watch his last couple games at Missouri and you're going to see a tough as nails mauling bruiser of a right tackle uh, a straight ahead guy who probably you wouldn't ever expect to play left tackle because of his size and the way he moves but that's not the same guy that is now a Chicago Bear. He immediately went to work after his career ended at Missouri, working with some uh, professional trainers, dropped about 30 pounds, then put about 8, 10 pounds back on in the weight room. And what you're going to see tomorrow is a pretty impressive athletic-looking guy who moves his feet a lot better than he ever did at Missouri, and that makes him a candidate at left tackle if, in fact, Jason Peters can't give them what they want. That makes him a candidate to battle Achavia Simmons for that starting right tackle spot if, if perhaps Jermaine Effetti isn't ready. But these are guys you really want to focus on tomorrow to see where they are all at. And then, of course, there are still the pitched battles uh, for the starting cornerback spot. There's no question that Kendall Vildor is the leader in the clubhouse on that one. Uh, but you cannot count out Desmond Trufant. You can't count out Artie Burns. Uh, and, and the nickel spot uh, that Buster Screen vacated um, doesn't really have a front runner right now. It's hard to know who might be in the best shape for that spot. And that's where you start to plug in a few more guys. You know, maybe a Trey Roberson can make a run there. 
Um, I, you know, I don't know. You've got Tease Tabor, who was drafted in the second round as a corner, who's been lining up at safety now, but that position is loaded. Then you got Duke Shelley, who could end up your starting nickel. He might not make the team. That, that, that's how deep they are with veteran talent and, and how interesting that battle is uh, at the cornerback spot. Uh, the only other really unsettled areas are, are, are the depth at the moment um, at tight end and at outside uh, linebacker or edge rusher. Uh, you know, I think that there's probably a wide receiver spot still up for grabs, but there doesn't appear to be much question, you know, that your top four right now are Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Marquise Grissom, and Demir Bird. Uh, we'll see what happens behind them, whether Riley Ridley can claim a spot and get some reps, whether Daz Newsom, uh, six-round pick, is a guy who's going to you know, beat out some of the more uh, the young veteran receivers who have not made their mark quite yet. And then the backup spots at tight end are in play. So all of that, it, to me, makes for a fascinating exhibition number two tomorrow. Uh, we know that the starters are going to go about a quarter to a quarter and a half, and then you're going to see all these other kids get reps. So... Um, it's interesting to see where this ball club is at right now. No, I didn't mention Justin Fields to this point. And the reason is because Justin Fields continues to be one of the most exciting young men in the National Football League. He is going to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. It could very well be sooner rather than later. Uh, it will take an unusual event for it to be opening day. I've been outspoken in my belief it should not be opening day. But we will see him after that first quarter or quarter and a half for Nick Foles. The Buffalo Bills are not playing some of their starters at all. So by the time that, that Fields gets on the field, it will again be versus second and third stringers. But it probably will also be for the better part of the second quarter, maybe even the whole third quarter, going head-to-head -head with Mitch Trubisky. So, so it should be a, a lot of fun to watch. I will tell you that on Wednesday, Andy Dalton had his best day of practice as a Chicago Bear. I think it was strictly coincidence that Justin Fields took Wednesday off. They said a slight irritation to, to that groin uh, that under normal circumstances he would have practiced, and if it was a game he would have played, that they were just being careful with him. And then he did come back to practice Thursday, and he had his worst practice as a Chicago Bear. Now, some of that could be the nature of the practice. It was kind of a glorified walkthrough. Um, there, were, there were a couple throws, one pick that he threw that are plays he probably doesn't make in a game. This was practice, and they were just extending it with no clock and no live rush. But at the end of the day, he did not look particularly good on Thursday. Um, that's really meaningless in the grand scheme of things. Everybody's going to have a bad day at practice during training camp. But it sets up where they are coming into tomorrow's game. And in spite of the fact that it seems pretty clear that Andy Dalton is going to be the opening day starting quarterback. I know there are a number of you out there who aren't happy about that and prefer to believe uh, that there is still a competition. And so, you know, relative to that, there certainly is a competition as to when he gets the job because there's no question that he will. And I think that's as simple as it just depends on how the team starts. Uh, you, know, you know, even if Dalton isn't playing great football, but they get out and win three or four of their first five and six, they're not going to go to the rookie quarterback as long as they are contending with Andy Dalton as a game manager. Even, you know, the schedule is pretty brutal. And even if they are, are not hanging around 500, but they don't fall too far below that and Dalton is playing lights out, you're probably not going to see fields. But my best guess just the way these things go, whether it's an injury, and I hope nobody gets hurt, but, but players do, or whether it's the fact that this team turns out not to have any real chance of contending, or they are contending, but it appears that Dalton is really holding them back. 
through through one of those things that are most likely to happen, Fields is not going to sit out his entire rookie year. Uh, the way these things usually go, I'd keep an eye on, you know, weeks five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there as to where it may get serious, uh, that it's time to put him on the field. The other thing that'll be interesting is that I'd be really shocked if they didn't have Justin Fields packages, if you will, for each regular season game, starting with the opener against the Bengals. And now uh, we're talking about something like what the, the Saints have done with Taysom Hill the last three seasons. Uh, whereas as they draw up the game plan, you're going to see that there are five, six, seven plays that are put in for just Justin Fields. They'll probably be RPOs. Uh, there won't be a lot of straight dropbacks in there. They will have one or two just to cross the defense up. So you're going to see Justin Fields from week one. Um, but right now it's just watching his continued developments in, in, in preseason and focusing on how well he does. Guys, we've got to take our first quick commercial break here. Uh, but when we get back, we're going to visit with Patrick Finley. He's out there with me at practice every day. We'll get his take on what he's seeing. And we will eventually get to your calls. We're going to spend most of the night getting your calls. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm going to have fun talking Bears football with you the next three hours right here at The Score. Do you still see Borm as a potential starter? Would it be at the right side? What do you do with him now that Peters is here? No, great question. We see him still at the left side and, and competing for that left spot. And unfortunately, he did have that one day and then was out. So now he's got to catch back up. And he'll get opportunities with reps in practice and then with these these preseason games. But that's real. You know, he's in a, I think he's in a great, great place. I, mentally, physically, like everything. Now he just needs reps. But we, those guys are competing, and uh, we've made that loud and clear. And I think that, that he's in a great spot, especially, you know, with, with Tevin's situation. This is a good opportunity for a guy like Larry to step up. Well, there you go, folks. Bears head coach Matt Nagy talking about Larry Borum. And if it was a great question, you know it probably came from my man Potsy, Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times, asking Matt about Borum on the left side, which kind of came as a surprise to many of us uh, over the last week or two. As I said uh, in my kind of opening monologue, we expected when he was drafted uh, that it was with a target on the right side. Uh, and now to, to get a, a second view, I don't know if it's going to be a different opinion or not. I'm sure some will be different, some will be similar. It is my pleasure to welcome in uh, Potsy's partner in crime over on the Bears beat at the Chicago Sun-Times, Patrick Finley. And uh, I, I feel like I spend more time with Finley than my wife uh, in the last couple of weeks between Pat, you know, what we're doing, working together in the media room and, and our efforts on behalf of the PFWA. Thank you so much for, for taking time out tonight. And, and, and let's start right there. Um, you know, I know we're going to get to the quarterback stuff and everything else, but the tackle position is just a mess right now. They don't really have a, a, a verified starter at either position, and we don't know if the guys that they hope to be starters are going to be healthy enough to play come opening day. Yeah, I was going to say, forget left tackle. Shoot, they don't even have a right tackle right now. Jermaine Asetti still hasn't played a snap in camp because of a hip injury that he suffered doing the conditioning drill at the start of camp. You can't make this stuff up. And then, of course, you have Jason Peters, who's coming in, will not play tomorrow, but probably will the week after that. He's 39. Tom Brady is the only 40-year-old player in the NFL right now. So if uh, Peters can make it through the season, uh, I think his birthday is in January. If he can make it to January uh, still on the active roster, that would be something that you don't see very often in the league. I'm not sure the Bears can count on him all season as much as they can just to plug the hole that they desperately need plugged here for at least the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Larry Borum is fascinating to me 
Tevin Jenkins is fascinating to me, and now we know that we're not going to see him until at least midseason, probably a little bit after that, if then at all. Uh, and so I, I think the thing that's been nagging at me, Pat, is the Bears, on one hand, prioritized the tackle position. They knew they had to get better. Uh, they released Bobby Massey as much because of the injuries the last couple of years as anything else and the cap space that they were able to save. They released Charles Leno because the truth is he just wasn't very good and there was significant cap space to save there and because they had drafted these two tackles with their second and third picks. But knowing that they were cutting the two veteran starters and drafting these two kids, should they have done more in free agency bringing in veterans than just a journeyman, Elijah Wilkinson, who it's pretty easy to see isn't going to be a quality starter in the NFL. Yeah, if they had the money for it, yeah. I mean, you know, should they have done something at the expense of cutting somebody else? You know, I think I'd rather have Akeem Hicks than have a middle-of-the-road tackle at this point, probably. So, yeah, in, in hindsight, you know, but yes, they should have, no question. But we knew at the time when they did it that they were taking a chance on moving Jenkins, I mean, even if Jenkins were healthy, there were people around the league that thought he was a right tackle and a right tackle only. You know, even if he had started training camp, uh, you know, taking snaps at left tackle, the jury still would have been out whether he could actually play the position mm-hmm. right now. But, my God, you know, you know, they may go into next year at this time having the same questions about Jenkins that they do this year at this time. And, you know, it makes you wonder how in the world are they going to plan next offseason to fill that tackle position. Can you count on a guy to make that switch from the right to left side coming out of college uh, when he hasn't been able to play maybe for a full season by the time next year rolls around? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Pat, because when we get into this conversation, everybody immediately goes for Akeem and Graham, and I understand why. They were the next two biggest cap savings available. I don't think that was ever considered, nor should it have been, because they do believe that they're a playoff contender with, with, with a defense that may be middle-aged or aging, but can be outstanding again for at least one more season. So I don't think those were considerations, but there were also less expensive options out there. A guy like Morgan Moses, uh, you know, who, who moved eventually. Um, you know, Juwan James, unfortunately, tore that, that Achilles, so he's not available. But you look at a Ricky Wagner, who I think is still out there. Uh, more expensive options would have been a Mitchell Schwartz, who is still out there, a Russell Okung, who is still out there. You know, I think one of the reasons that Peters was the choice over those two is because he's here on the veteran minimum, even though he's an 18-year veteran. It, it's a big number. Uh, but I'm just wondering if a signing like that, let's just pick Morgan Moses, who would have gotten just a little bit more money than, say, a Jeremiah Adeochu, uh, you know, or, or, or some of the other veteran backups of Christian Jones, w- would that have been a, a better reading of their roster? Probably would have, and Morgan Moses, if I remember correctly, did work out with the Bears uh, at some point. Uh, so you know that the Bears had eyes on him. Let's face it, they took a bet, and it, and, and it crapped out on them already. And you know, sometimes you're just unlucky there. But you know, the fact that we're talking about Larry Borum, Larry Borum is somebody who, uh, you know, maybe they love that he's lost 40 pounds. Maybe they love his footwork. Maybe they think that they found something. Matt Nagy is eager to tell you that they had a second and a third round grade on him. But man, if you are relying on Larry Borum to try to solidify this offensive line, that just shows you what, uh, what a bad position they're in right now. And, you know, again, let's see what happens when a gets back. Maybe he's okay on that right side. Maybe Wilkinson is just fine as a swing tackle in case of emergency. 
But let's see what Jason Peters looks like. To me, that's just a huge question. There's, there's no doubting his professionalism. There's no doubting he's a, he's a future Hall of Fame player. But there's a reason he was on the street, uh, and there's a reason he signed for the league minimum. You know, the reason, there's a lot of reasons, obviously, but one of the main reasons, Patrick, <laughs> that this is so critical is because of the quarterback debate. And, and, you know, as much as we've been talking the last couple of weeks, I'm not sure which camp you're in. I, I think you know that I am uh, the head counselor of the camp that, that says that, let's a few things. Number one, and this is just a fact, this is not an opinion, in spite of the fact that 90% of the quarterbacks drafted with top 15 picks over the last 11 years have failed, I believe from what I've seen that Justin Fields may just be a star. And short of that, I think he's going to be a very good quarterback for some time to come. He's got unique arm talent, unique athleticism, and he appears to have uh, the presence, the generalship, the, the mental aptitude for it. Uh, but that aside, I also believe that it is always a mistake to throw these kids out there too soon. That is why uh, or not why, but it's one of the reasons that, that nine out of 10 fail. Uh, I think that, that he definitely, he'll be the first one to tell you has much to learn. And if you think this team can be a playoff contender, it's not fair to the rest of the roster to go out there and live and die with the mistakes you may get from a rookie. So for all those reasons, I think he will be the starter. I think it'll probably be this year. I think he should be the starter eventually, but I don't think he should be the starter on opening day. I know I'm not, from my unscientific polling, I know I'm not in the majority camp. It may be 50-50. I may be in the minority on this. I know from what I hear from uh, a lot of the social media um, people, the nicest thing I can call them. Uh, what, uh, what camp are you in, Pat? <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think that Justin Fields has shown that he has whatever it is. I, I think he has it. I think that Mitch Trubisky... Uh, you know, as much as you look back at Mitch Trubisky's first preseason, and he put out some pretty good numbers in these meaningless games now. But Mitch Trubisky, I don't think any of us ever saw that, you know, whatever that je ne sais quoi was. Uh, and we do see it with Justin Fields. I think he has a very good chance to be a good player, and I don't blame Bears fans for getting a little bit ahead of themselves here. You know, they've had to wait 70 years for a quarterback uh, that's a game changer or that's a, you know, you know a multiple-time pro bowler. Uh, and I don't blame them for being excited. Uh, if the Bears had to win the game tomorrow, Andy Dalton's the guy they would go with. I think Andy Dalton does give them a best, the best chance to win right away. I mean, let's face it, Hub. I mean, <laughs> Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, if they don't win games, are in danger of uh, you know working for somebody else <laughs> next year uh, and, and getting fired. And it is you know the utmost priority for them to start the season. Uh, not, you know, with trying to win games, not with trying to develop somebody, you know, in real time on the field. Uh, you know, they think that the best way to do that is to play the veteran. I agree with them. My question for you is just this, is, you know, uh, is it as simple as they'll know it when they see it, you know, midseason during practice with Justin Fields? Uh, you know, if, if that's the case, you know, I just want to make sure that the Bears coaches are looking hard enough to make sure that the second field's uh, starts to grasp it in, in, in practice that they promote him. Uh, I don't know if, you know, if Andy Dalton's doing a good job, I don't know how hard the Bears will look to make a change, even if it's warranted, quite frankly, uh, yeah. by his play in practice. 
I mean, Pat, I, 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 I think it's, 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 it's the appropriate question. It's the one we should all be asking. It should not be opening day, but when should it be? And I think, again, to ignore history is to beg to make mistakes. That's not the exact quote. I forget how it goes, but whatever <laughs> it may be. Um, uh, Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator in Kansas City in 2017. Now, these are different football teams. Uh, but Andy Reid, we know, is his rabbi and main mentor, and we know what they did with Patrick Mahomes. And, and so I think that this is as simple as if the Bears are winning and contending, if, if they're playing well and they're not losing games because of Andy Dalton, then, then Justin Fields is going to sit. And that may be four weeks, that may be 10 weeks, that may be 13 weeks or 17 weeks. They're, they're not going to be looking at practice every day to say is now the time to pull the trigger. The flip side of that is if they get out of the gate and they lose, you know, two, three, four quick, you know, and they're sitting there at, at two and five or, 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 you know, one and three or something like that. Remember what happened with Mitch? You know, it was Mike Glennon's year until halfway through game four when he threw his fourth pick and it was time to develop the kid, you know. So uh, if, if it becomes clear that they're not going to contend for anything, then whether he's ready or not in practice, I think they're going to go to Justin Fields. And I think it's probably that simple right now uh, because he is the future. There, there's no question about that. Well, and, you know, let's look at what Matt Nagy did this week. On Monday, he says there's no question that Andy Dalton is still the starter. You know, he's asked whether... Justin Fields is going to get snaps with first-team skill position players. And he said, yeah, probably, you know, that, but that was part of the plan all along. By my math, I think I saw Justin Fields play one snap with mm -hmm. first-string wide receivers. That's not to say the tight ends and other people didn't cycle through, but, but in practice, from my math, I saw one snap. That's not how you treat somebody that you're planning on starting in week one. That's how you treat the developmental quarterback. And, you know, maybe Justin Fields goes out tomorrow – and is the second coming, and uh, and and maybe Matt Nagy reconsiders. But I, I don't think I, I think the plan is created to stand up to whatever Justin does in the preseason, good or bad. And I don't know he, that he could do anything tomorrow to make himself the starter in Week One. Patrick, it's Friday night. You've been generous enough with your time. I know the family is waiting, and I've got our third amigo, Hogue, waiting in the green room. So uh, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for your time this evening. I will see you in the press box tomorrow, and uh, we'll see You know what the Bears show us in, uh, in, in what do I want to say? audition number two against the Buffalo Bills and the homecoming of Mitch Trubisky. Oh, my God. Ask Hogue only Trubisky questions. <laughs> All right, that's where we'll go. Pat, have a good evening. Man. Thank you Bye. much. Guys, we're going to take a quick break here. As I just teed up, Adam Hogue, he of NBC Sports Chicago of the Hogan Johns podcast is going to join us next. If you're wondering about the third Amigo reference, uh, I, I am currently the president of the Chicago chapter of the Pro Football Writers Association, and my two vice presidents are Pat Finley and Adam Hogue. So we've been spending a lot of time together working on the COVID protocols with the team and trying to figure out what we can do and what we can't do and how to cover the ball club. We're not going to bore you with any of that tonight, but Patrick Finley and, and Adam Hogue are also two of the brightest NFL and Bears minds in town, and that's why I wanted to kick off the show with them. So Adam's going to be up next. We are back with that in just a moment here at The Score. The time that we spent together uh, in those three years, it, it, it would not be fair to put everything on him. There's a lot of things that went into that. And, um, you know, I know that he's a resilient guy and he's going to do everything he can to be able to uh, have a successful career.
Bears head coach Matt Nagy talking about his former quarterback prodigy, Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, that one didn't work out so well, but uh, Matt has been careful all week to try and uh, create a positive atmosphere for Mitch to come back to Soldier Field tomorrow. Uh, I think it's been fascinating talking to his teammates all week long, who to a man seem to absolutely love the guy and still have great respect for him. Everybody understands it's over here in Chicago, but uh, certainly hopeful for the future for Mitch. We're going to focus on the future of the Chicago Bears quarterback position as well as the rest of the team in exhibition number two tomorrow versus the Buffalo Bills. And here to help me get you a little better prepared is Adam Hogue. Adam, of course, from NBC Sports Chicago and the Hogue Johns podcast. I don't know if Hogue or Johns gets top billing, Adam. How does that work out? I should know that. Uh, it's alphabetical. Let's just, okay. let's just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you much for joining me on a Friday night, man. I know everybody's busy with the family, especially with the schedule that we're all keeping in training camp right now. I actually just got done visiting with Finley for a few minutes. And so um, let me get your take. Uh, I, I asked Pat and, you know, listeners of the score know that I've been pretty outspoken in the camp that I believe Justin Fields has a chance to be a real star. I I'm, I'm thrilled with what the Bears did to move up and get him. Had no problem with the trade, like everything I've seen so far. But I don't believe any rookie on a team that hopes to contend should be starting at quarterback on opening day. Uh, there is a big groundswell out there from a lot of Bears fans who want to see Fields now and the results be damned. Uh, I know that uh, Finley just said he's kind of in the same camp with me. We know we're going to see him this year, but not opening day. What do you think is best for the Bears and for Justin Fields? Yeah, well, I think my attitude hub is is just to have kind of kind of an open mind to all these scenarios and kind of remind everybody that there's still 23 days until the opener in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say that, you know, no rookie should ever be starting for a, a team that's contending um, because I think every team and every situation and every player is a little bit different. And part of that hub is, you know, for this team uh, and this situation it's an offense that just hasn't ever been able to get going under Matt Nagy, if we're being honest. Uh, and we're in year four now. I, I, they've had random games here and there, but how many times over the last three years have we been talking to Matt Nagy midseason about what is your offensive identity? And part of that, and I know something you and I see eye to eye on for sure, is that they've never really committed to the run the, the way that they probably should. Right. But I, I like Andy Dalton. I want to make that clear. I'm just hesitant because I feel like I've seen this story before. I feel like I've seen Andy Dalton and Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, and, and sure, they're all a little bit different individually in what they do best, but I'm just not sold that Andy Dalton's going to be able to come in and move the football uh, and get more first downs and get more touchdowns, which is ultimately what this team needs. And I, I you and I see – eye to eye and the fact that Justin Fields can be special. Um, is it risky to put him out there early? Sure. But I do think that there's going to come a time, whether it's week one or maybe even later in the season, where everybody at House Hall is going to realize he just moves the ball better. He gives them a better chance to score more points. And I think that's ultimately what's going to end up winning out here. You know, Adam, we, we agree on most of what you just said. Uh, the reason that I am so adamant about not starting a rookie quarterback on a contending team is because 
by nature of who he is, you just don't know enough about him yet to know if he has the sure. ability to, to do better than the veteran who has the 142 starts. I find myself in a funny place because um, I, I like Andy a lot personally and what we've seen of him since he got to Chicago. But I was very unhappy with the signing. I thought there were better options out there in free agency, whether it was to be the starter this year or to be the bridge to the rookie that you hope to get. Uh, I, I think that they've overstated his accomplishments in the NFL over his first 10 years. Uh, but you cannot overstate those 142 starts. You cannot overstate the fact that his first five years in the league, every year as a game manager with a really good defense and some weapons, uh, he, he led a Bengals team to the playoffs, you know, and with Justin, you know, I think he has the potential to pile up more first downs, more more points, uh, you know, and I think he has the mental capacity to do all this, but we just don't know yet. And and when you talk about a, a middle-aged defense that may be in its last hurrah this season, when you talk about a coach and a GM who've got to be thinking about their job security, and I don't think they'd put their job security ahead of the team, but I think they know that the best way to, to, to solve everybody's problems is to win games that the feeling just is until we know more about Justin that Andy makes more sense. Yeah. And that's fair. And that's, uh, you know, I kind of veered into what I just think is going to end up happening, how I think this is going to end up playing out. But I, I did, I, I, I was starting to say there that, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not to the point where I'm a hundred percent start this guy week one, because I agree with you. He still needs to show more. I, I think that last weekend at soldier field, was a good start, and particularly what I liked is that what did look choppy early was corrected mid-game, and that's hard to do. And it, it, but it's still one game, and it's still against backups. So I do think that there you need to give it more reps, and I think that's why the Bears were so careful this week with him in practice because they understand the value of putting him out there in a preseason game. As and as Bill Lazor put it yesterday. They want to see what happens when something unexpected happens because you can prep all you want. You can have all the experience you want. But in football, something happens in every game that you can't game plan for, that you can't really prepare for, and the great ones have the instincts to just do something anyway that's positive. Um, and, I, and I think that what we're seeing is we're seeing signs of Justin Fields having that ability and having those instincts. But we have just not seen a large enough sample size. So I do agree. Hey, look, there's 23 days here. There's still two preseason games. And there's more practices. Let's be honest, Hub. This was not a great week of practice for Justin Fields. <laughs> he, he, the, the whole offense looked bad on Tuesday, but he was a part of it. Turns out he had the groin, and all the coaches seemed to agree that that was affecting him. But then he didn't practice Wednesday. And then yesterday was a shorter practice where they didn't do as much and he still didn't look that good, whether it was because of the groin or not. So this is since the game Saturday, he hasn't had a great week. So I'm really interested to see how he responds in the game against the bills tomorrow. Yeah. You're being a little kind there, Adam. He looked awful yesterday. Now, now that said, he's had some great practices. Everybody has a bad, I am not trying to, to downgrade the kid because of one practice, but not only did he look awful yesterday on Wednesday, Andy Dalton had his best practice as a bear. And all this stuff is going into the evaluations of the coaches. So I think it's pretty easy to see why 
Matt Nagy is where he is at least today, and and we know that that is that Andy Dalton is slated to start the opener, uh, not ironically against the Cincinnati Bengals. So you know uh, we'll yeah. we'll get there as you pointed out. We got 23 days, and you know what? We spend so much time on the quarterbacks. There's other big stories around this team. Pat and I uh, beat up the tackle situation pretty good. Uh, I want to get to you with the cornerbacks. I, I it looks to me. And the coaches, you know, Sean Desai isn't saying it. Deshae Townsend isn't saying it. But just by going by the reps, it looks to me like Kendall Vildor uh, may have taken that other starting corner spot across from Jalon Johnson that Desmond Trufant was clearly brought in to compete with Artie Burns for. Yeah. Um, and, hey, that's what you want, right? I, I mean, if you're trying to draw up how you want these competitions to work out, you say, hey, a late-round draft pick that – um, you know, is in his second year that didn't really have a preseason last year and got thrown in late in the year and played in a playoff game, takes over a job. You gave him the, you gave him the competition with the veteran, but yeah, you always want the young draft pick to win out. And uh, you're right, they're not saying it yet, but I think the thing that um, has really stood out to me, Hub, is almost how little I've actually had to pay attention to the corners Mm -hmm. and that was I I think like all of us a big spot that we were gonna be looking at yeah I've still been looking at it but my point is it hasn't really been a problem certainly not like the left tackle spot has been right as these practices have gone along you're going oh what's going on the offensive line today Uh, but with the defense whether it's Sean Desai's coaching and the way he's scheming it up whether it's the pass rush and a lot of those guys up front look great um a couple things have happened that have been very, very noticeable to me, uh, almost by how little notice I've had to give to it. And that is the secondary looks good, despite some of the safeties being in and out. Eddie Jackson, Sean Gibson both missed time. Uh, the inside linebackers, both starters missed time. The guys that came in, Alec Ogletree, Christian Jones, they looked fine when they were out there. And meanwhile, the corners have just been steady, it seems like. So I think it's very encouraging for the defense as a whole and as much as we've talked about the quarterbacks and the offense constantly, I think the emergence of Kendall Vildor, and I'll say uh, Duke Shelley too, I, I wasn't all that optimistic about Duke Shelley coming into camp, but I don't see him making big mistakes on a daily basis. I, he may just be fine there. This is Hub Arkish broadcasting live from the SCORE Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. We've got Adam Hogue from NBC Sports Chicago and the Hogue and Johns podcast on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And uh, Adam, I'm going to have to let you go in a minute or two, but I think it's ironic you look at what a mess the tackle situation is where, where they may not, I mean, just Jason Peters is going to the hall of fame. It's just a question. Can he still play or not? And then once you get past that, they may not have a starting tackle on the roster. And then you go to cornerback where uh, there is a ton of depth there. I mean, you know, Desmond Trufant is a, is a veteran who's been to a pro bowl. Artie Burns is a former first round pick who had that job locked up before he tore that ACL last year. Uh, you even look at T's Tabor who's playing safety now, even though he was a second round pick at corner. Um, and then you've got Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor and Jalen Johnson's having a great camp. So on one hand, you had two positions with the same problem, cornerback and tackle. It looks like they've gotten everything right at cornerback, and yet tackle is a complete mess. Well, and this goes back to the tough off-season decisions that had to be made. And I wrote about this yesterday on NBCSportsChicago.com, and 
Um, I think some people are kind of misconstruing what I've been trying to say over the last few days. Uh, you know, Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller, for that matter, are definitely better players than Charles Leno Jr. Like, they're, they're just, there's no argument there. But what, what people need to understand is a lot of times in the NFL, almost always actually, at premium positions, there's a balance that goes beyond just ability. You have to factor in what guys cost at those premium positions. Um, and there's a reason why Charles Leno was here so long. It's because he was on a relatively affordable contract uh, and he was durable starting 93 straight games at a premier position, which allowed them to put money elsewhere. And then you also have to factor in depth. So as you talk about those corners, Hub, one of the reasons why I was – perfectly okay with them making the move to let Kyle Fuller go. It's not because Kyle Fuller is not a good player. He is a good player. But they appeared to have some depth there. You knew you could go out and get a veteran corner who might not be at the same level as Kyle Fuller, but a lot cheaper. And they were just in such salary cap hell this offseason that they had to make tough decisions like that. And that's why at the same time, even though I've been critical of Charles Leno's play the last couple of years, I was surprised that they let him go so quickly because all of a sudden, as soon as you made that move, just three days after you drafted Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum, you're saying you're rolling, and now you just drafted this rookie quarterback. You're rolling with unknowns at the position. And it turns out that that risk was even bigger than we thought because the back issues for Tevin Jenkins were a bigger deal than we all thought and apparently what the Bears thought too. So. These were the tough decisions that had to be made, and I, I had a feeling that the Bears would be a tough spot at one of these positions, Hub. It turns out it's left tackle, and uh, it's not looking great as we get closer and closer to the regular season. Adam, we're going to let you go. It is Friday evening for our listeners. Uh, Hogue is not only an outstanding Bears uh, beat reporter, but he's a, he's a new dad. Young James is a strapping young man, but Olivia Rose, James of the World, what, is she about four months now? She is almost three months at three this point. Months. So are you sleeping yeah. through the night yet or not? Not quite, um, <laughs> but enough enough that I'm surviving training camp. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, Adam, listen, I know you want to spend time with the family. I really appreciate you giving us a few minutes tonight. We will see you in the press box tomorrow. Have a great evening with those beautiful young people, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. All right, I'll well, see you tomorrow. That is Adam Hogue of NBC Sports Chicago. And, you know, guys, we've all got podcasts now. I've got one. Everybody's got one. Uh, but one of the ones that's getting the most buzz is the Hogue and John's podcast. The two Adams get together. You can find all our podcasts. Mine is the ShawLocal.com Bears Insider podcast. Uh, go to the App Store on your phone. Uh, go to iTunes. Uh, in our case, you go to ShawLocal.com. Uh, these podcasts are, are becoming more and more popular and a lot of fun. And uh, Adam and Adam, uh, extremely entertaining with the Hogan Johns podcast, so you may want to be starting to download that one as well. Guys, we are going to take a commercial break here. It's the top of the hour. Next hour, I left wide open for you and your phone calls. We'll have Eric Edholm, who covers the NFL and focuses on the NFL draft for YahooSports.com at 8 o'clock to start our final hour with you until 9 tonight. But the next hour is all yours. Give me a call at 312-644-6767. Text us at 312 
612-644-6767 on the Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin text line. And uh, looking forward to hear what's on your minds. Get your questions ready for me. Give me your thoughts, your comments, whatever it may be. We'll be talking with you in just a moment right here on Chicago's very favorite all-sports radio station, 670 The Score. Back in just a moment. 